Running a home takes a lot of energy. So at Energy Australia, we've created the Total Energy Plan. An energy plan that, yes, ticks the boxes. Get a discount off your total energy bill, guaranteed. No lock-in contracts and fixed rates for 12 months. Find out how you can save with our Total Energy Plan. Energy Australia. Light the way. Conditions apply. To view basic plan information documents, visit energyaustralia.com.au. You're listening to Kindling Conversation with Siobhan Hunt, part of Kindling Kids Radio. Is this photo going to massively embarrass them when they're 21? You just have to think about how people are going to use it, think about how it could be used, and then sort of reverse engineer your behaviour back from that. If you could put all the extracurricular activities within the school and have them run until five o'clock, that would be perfect. That's a great solution. You need to talk to the government, Nia. Were you out late or did you get to nine o'clock at least? Mate, we were out till like 10.30. (gasps) Today we're talking about when we need to start teaching gender equality, overcoming childhood fears, when our kids annoy the heck out of us and whether marriage makes you healthier or not. It's an appropriate topic to chat about today, given we're joined by real-life married couple Mark Fennell and Madeline Jenner, who have two kids together. Mark is the host of the SBS The Feed, or I should say co-host, and download this show on ABC Radio. And Madeline Jenner is a producer for Radio National. Welcome to you both. Hello. Hello. And yes, this is the first time we've had them back on since we've stolen a grab from Mark's Wonderful advice it was about shocking using. to hear that. I was like, God, who is that high-pitched nasal person? Why would you volunteer to put that on and repeat on radio? Because it was very insightful. Was okay. um, so, guys, can you tell us about your kids? Uh, we have a three-year-old who is a boy, and we have a nearly one-year-old who is a girl. Yeah, Max and Sophie. Max, and Sophie. I wasn't sure if we were doing that. <laughs> well, it's a bit weird to not. Yeah, it's I guess so. they, ha- they have no names. Have we, don't, <laughs> we don't believe in they naming no our name children. No names. Respect our choices. <laughs> no, one, no name one and no name two. At least it's not Apple, um, right? Max, you would say, is uh, extremely rambunctious, larger than life, um, very well-developed sense of self. <laughs> <laughs> like all three-year-olds? Yeah, and Sophie's um, extremely charming and chilled by day and extremely nocturnal by night. Ah, Not that nocturnal. Not compared to Max, but but annoying. (laughs) (laughs) Just enough to be uncomfortable and make us bleary-eyed. And at at this age, at three, can you start to see who Max takes after in his personality? Mm, Maybe. I don't know. Um, uh, Yeah, I actually don't know. It's parent... Look, look at Talks for a living, this is embarrassing. I, I'm extremely myopic about it because you don't because you don't see him through the prism of yourself or your partner. You see him through the, f- the functionality of getting through the day. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? So mm. I That's I, why I see a lot of my husband in the kids when they're, <laughs> when they're annoying. annoying. <laughs> I, I, I see I, I actually see it's weird because I, I see a lot of Madeline and I see a lot of uh, Madeline's mum in Max. I see a lot of um uh but I don't. I don't necessarily. I don't have enough self awareness about myself to see myself in them. You know what I mean? Ah. Like I don't. But I see. I see lots of the, uh, you in them. Yeah. Yeah. Good things. Good things. <laughs> I was like, what am I that, that, we'll, for? we'll save that part for the uh, conversation <laughs> yeah. about marriage. Let's let's yeah. get cracking because first up today, we're asking whether gender equality starts with babies and toddlers. I try to laugh about it, hiding the tears in my eyes. So just how strongly do parents oppose gender stereotyping of their young children? 
Our Watch, which is an advocacy group campaigning against domestic violence, thinks that most people want something to change because they released a snapshot report called The Power of Parents. They're going to release all of the um, report later in 2018. But in this snapshot, they found that 79% of parents of zero to three-year-olds want their friend, their children to be free of limiting gender stereotypes. So I guess empowering stereotypes of gender are okay. 92% agree it's important to treat girls and boys equally in their early years. So how do you challenge stereotypes in children so young and why is it important? Madeline, um, we both have boys who are three years old and um, I'm pretty sure from what I've seen on following you on Facebook that Max is a lot like Arlo in that he gravitates towards diggers and... He does. He... he um it's interesting because um, um, I'm one of two girls and my mum often says how interesting it is that Max just loves to drive cars around in a way that we didn't. And, you know, she was always very keen on us having cars and a little petrol station and stuff and she's just like, you never actually played with it, but you had it. <laughs> but at the same time, Max is, you know, he does play in, you know, he does play in the pretend kitchen a lot. He does do a lot of both, but yes, he is a bit digger obsessed. Some of that's about the exposure to the toys though, because we had things like diggers around the house. Now, Sophie plays with diggers as yeah. readily as Max does because they're there. there. So, but, and then you do question yourself, would I have bought... That's her, the question. A ride yeah. on digger, though she loves her brother's ride on digger. Yeah. So that I would like a ride on digger. Yeah, it's, it's awesome, <laughs> and she's like, this, this is this is the best thing ever. <laughs> um, it's funny though because. Um, we went to um, the Museum of Sydney the other day where they've got that big Lego exhibition and Max was like, I want to make something just out of pink. Like, oh, I love pink. And it surprised me. And it also made me a bit sad because I'm like, in a year, he's going to think pink is the worst colour ever, no matter what I do, just with pig, group and mm. all those kinds of things. And I was like, it's sad that that's going to be... A thing, and it I, is a big thing, right? I mean, we this is um, this report talks about the influence parents have, but once your kids get to a certain play, play, a stage, they've got social influence too. I mean, Mark, you're a boy. It's true. <laughs> Last I checked. Last you checked. Um, do you think, in terms of those stereotypes, whether it's liking pink or mm. um, playing with the kitchen, do you think that that will change as he gets influenced by his peer group? I can only speak to my experience of being a boy growing up. And I would say, I think it's safe to say that uh, parents, by and large, go into these things with the best of intentions. And I think part of your role as a parent will inevitably be correcting the effect of peer groups. And I think that's just a, that doesn't necessarily mean to gender equality. That just sort of means to everything. You know, as kids, I look at my brother's five years younger than I am. And a lot of our experience with him was you know, he'd go to school and he'd be told certain things about what he was like and some of the role of a parent and family is to sort of make him think differently about himself despite what overwhelming the conventional wisdom of 10-year-olds is or the conventional wisdom of 8-year-olds is. So I think it's one of those things that's uh, – my – our approach to it will, I suspect, be a little bit more about wait and see, wait and see what he comes back with. And also the other thing is if, if he is comfortable playing with the iconography of, of a boy – that's fine. If he's comfortable playing with the iconography of a girl, that's also fine. So it's all about just waiting to see where his interests go as well, rather than go, well, we have a gender equality plan for you and, and just, <laughs> yeah. you know, sort of approaching but it also, as it happens. I mean, you know, you cook. Like, I mean, yeah. a lot of the girl things, I mean, and, and Max still happily takes a stroller with a doll in it 
to park <laughs> often. He's very good. Um, but but a lot of those things that are girly are actually just kind of life things. That, I mean, you know, Mark takes Sophie to the park with a stroller, so he doesn't necessarily see that yet as like a mummy and baby thing. He just mm. thinks he's the dad taking the kid in the same yeah. way as Mark, you know, cooks. So therefore, why would it be a girl thing to be Yeah, that's true. I th- that I maybe that speaks to our, our relationship to I, mum, Yeah, dad but roles. I don't know what the solution is. I, I heard of a person, and I, I don't know this person, but it's like a friend of a friend who was raising their kid genderless in the sense that the two parents know the gender of the child, but they're not telling anyone else. Wow. Uh, yeah. Full on. I don't, I don't. I mean, I don't know this person, but I don't know how you do that. That sounds like a social experiment. There are, it, there are things, though, that like, just practically speaking, that I think like not not you, but I I could do better. There was a conversation. So Madeline went to do. Madeline works with a um, a play group, and they were moving it yesterday. And uh, I look was home with Max and Sophie because uh, I've had the last two days off work. And I said, and Max asked where was where was Mummy, and I just sort of instinctively went, Mummy's at work. Now at the moment, Ma- Mum's uh, Madeline's on mat leave, and I work. I work a lot. To be fair, I work a lot. We know, Mark. And you know, he just went, Mummy, work. And I was like, Oh. And some of that's just about the experience he knows of life. I'll go back to work. Yeah, he does. But, yeah, like but he, it's, do, he doesn't remember he, me. No, being Ma- Ma- yeah. that's when you turn around and say, "No, Max, <laughs> Mummy works with you every, every single yeah. day." <laughs> oh, I happily tell anybody that, that <laughs> dealing with two kids, three and one, is a but thousand then, times harder than any adult job I've ever job had. Job is cooking, yeah. and cleaning. Yeah, and I think that and that does speak to some gender role stuff that that yeah. we are possibly embedding about with him. Simply for practical reasons, based on how our life is, but that yeah. probably is embedding some stuff that I suspect we may need to unpick in a couple of but years. But it's time. tricky. He, I mean, you know, he doesn't remember being two and me going to work no. very well. He, I mean, you know, another few months and I'll be back at work and yeah. it will be more and then he won't usual. That too. Well, yeah, exactly. Can I ask? I mean, part of this report is also looking at the fact that you know, not the controversial thing, but the thing that stands out is they're talking about really young kids, so from zero to three, and they've also touched on changing the stereotypes in fairy tales. Have you ever considered reading books and changing the genders? We do. Yeah, well, I don't change the... Do you change the genders in books? I don't change the genders in books, but there's there's a few books that we have. There's one in particular that is quite... It's a very old book, which is The Tiger Came to Tea. And it's filled... Oh, yeah, I just make that book up. Well, I changed... I don't don't say daddy's beer and I don't say daddy's come home from work, whatever we have. daddy's daddy's got the solution. And there's things like that that you read and go, well, this has clearly been written in the 60s when it was written. And so there's things like that. What, What did really strike me though actually is the number of books we have where the protagonist is male is really striking and it's obviously better now it's about what we choose to buy and stuff like that but the the number of times where the protagonist is sort of like a anglo kid boy is really like oh you don't notice it and look honestly like you don't notice it until you start thinking about in the context of of your kids but it was like oh right, we probably need to buy more girl-based books by the time Sophie gets older. And then I'm thinking, actually, no, we need to do this now for Max because Max just thinks he's, as a young boy, the centre of every story and that's not necessarily always the yes case. Yes and no. He likes Rosie mm. Revere more than Iggy Peck. Yeah. Oh, I don't know Rosie why. Revere is a, awesome book. Well, they're, they're both, both good books. books. But I don't know why he doesn't like Iggy. He's not into Iggy. But Rosie and Ada, he prefers. Ada Twist, Ada scientist. scientist. Oh, you guys are so on the money. <laughs> I'm Siobhan Hunt. You're listening to the parent panel on Kindling Conversation where we invite two parents into the studio. Parents have been carefully selected for their (laughs) 
wisdom, insight and ability to contribute to the national parenting conversation. And availability on Fridays. That's, that's also true, Mark. That's, but it's more about your wisdom. Sure, sure. Today, I'm joined by Mark Fennell, who's the host of, co-host of SBS The Feed, and he's the host of Download This Show on ABC Radio, and Madeline Jenner, who's producer for Radio National, who is a producer on Radio National. Together, they have Max, who is three now, and Sophie, who is... Who she'll be one at the end of the month. One and, and raring yeah, to oh, walk yeah. yes, at some point. Up next, we're going to talk about overcoming childhood fears. Kindling Conversation. This week, I had the pleasure of interviewing Canadian retired astronaut Chris Hadfield. He's just written a book for kids called The Darkest Dark. In it, he talks about his fear of the dark and how basically watching the moon landing helped him overcome his fear. Um, Because we think he's so wonderful, we're going to be a little bit indulgent and play part of this interview. Let's have a listen. When you look up into the night sky, that's where everything else is. There's almost an unlimited number of stars and an unlimited number of planets and therefore maybe an unlimited number of other little children looking back at me across the time and the distance. And that all happens in the dark. I think realizing that just because I can't see as clearly as I do in the daytime, that doesn't necessarily mean I have to be scared. It's just different. That's all. So you can listen to the full interview online. I definitely encourage it because it's so inspiring. Madeline, did you have any fears growing up um, that you can remember? Um, oh Power God, Power a bit of everything. I was a very anxious <laughs> child, and I didn't realise how much I'd overcome it until I lived in a share house with someone who was really OCD, and I realised that I was no longer. As OCD, as, as the I, person that had actually been diagnosed, but still a little bit OCD. No, no, no. I was never diagnosed as OCD. I self-diagnosed, but I definitely was. Um, yeah, no. I just used to have a, like complete paranoia about the house burning down. I used to do things like go go in and turn off. Like my sister would always fall asleep with her lamp on, and I'd sneak in and turn it off. And I don't know. That's, a bit that's random. really sweet. And now I see my three-year-old have all the same kind of slightly crazy anxieties. <laughs> Excellent news. He's a bit of an anxious kid, isn't he? Sometimes? He is. He's yeah. very but anxious. Is anxiety the same as fear? Oh, I don't know. Oh, look, okay. There's a Venn diagram and they sit over each other pretty <laughs> solidly. Um, yes, anxiety is some, it extends out into its own space, but I think it'd be naive to suggest there isn't a bit of a significant overlap. So in terms of... What you see—I mean, that's really interesting as well. When you see your own experiences that you w- didn't particularly enjoy come out yeah. in your children, oh, I, what is it with three-year-olds and monsters? He's just out of nowhere just decided, and I know a few other three-year-olds that are doing the same thing at the moment. Just decided that monsters are a thing, and mm-hmm. and I tried to tell him that they're not real, and he said, "I saw them on bananas in pajamas," and I'm like, "That's a show about a talking banana. That's also <laughs> not real." But that was lost on him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's trying to explain the reality. But did it, I mean, that's a hard thing, right? Our childhoods feel a long time ago now, and maybe we can't remember what worked to help us. I mean, yeah. how do you try and um, allay Max's fears? Look, he's not hes not completely paranoid about things like the dark and things. Like, he's all right. Like, he's not, I've heard of, you know, kids with far greater issues. But, yeah, I don't... Uh, 
I don't know. I mean, it's a lot of telling him that monsters aren't a real thing. But um, mm, and I'm not repetition. even yeah, and I'm not even sure that he really gets what they would be or could, mm. like it's kind of just like a word he's heard and mm. something that he figures must be scary. I'm not sure. I don't and know. sometimes I think with um, kids of that age or even a little bit older, fear is also fun at times, depending on how they're yeah. expressing it. So when Arlo talks about monsters and bears, it's always something fun to run away from or there's yeah. a bear outside or there's yeah. a monster outside. It's not like what Chris Hadfield was talking about in the sense that he just was terrified, was terrified. of the dark, yeah. Yeah. Um, which I can imagine – that it probably happens neurologically at some point where your imagination grows and you start to see things yeah. in shapes. and I've never grown out of it. I still, a fear of monsters? No, fear of the dark. Never, ever grown out of it. Yeah. And what is it what about mean? the dark? I blame the X-Files for perpetuating it. I was going to say, it, but, it's going to be something. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I still, I, I'm, if I'm out at night and it's dark, I'm really um, completely, ira- completely irrational, extra layer of anxieties. It's on top of everything. <laughs> yeah. And like, you, you're a grown up, right? You recognize that, you know. It's on, obviously not, I mean, I, this is news to me. Yeah, so no, I'm That's why I come on radio. Yeah, and big wide open spaces too. Those two things I've never, like, you can recognize it's there. Mm. You can recognise it's ludicrous, but it's still you still feel it, so it's there. And are you aware of anything that might have triggered? I mean, you said the X Files. I remember <laughs> after, but no, seriously, yeah, yeah. after I saw the Sixth yeah. Sense, I could not go near a bed without thinking an arm was going to shoot and grab my, <laughs> grab my ankle. Like there are things that sometimes stick in your consciousness. Uh, no, I can't uh, look. Whatever it goes back to, I've clearly blocked out, if if anything at all. But no, I, I can't link it back to anything specific. But um, no, it's always been something that's, that's sat there. And I, I remember the one that was still weirds me out is um big amount. And this is going to sound ludicrous, and you should feel free to laugh at me. But big amounts of the color blue, like I can't look up at the sky. If I lie on my back and look up at the sky, uh, I get uh, a thin layer of anxiety. I can't do swimming pools, big, large swimming pools. Yeah, really? It's really weird. I don't – no, I don't think but that's, that's weird. That makes sense to me. You don't have contact lenses in swimming pools and yeah, so I can't see. that scares you. Well, that would help yeah. to make – that would Being be a logical fear, right? Yeah. yeah. Going into I, I think, a large body of water without – you can't see. Seeing. I think that's yeah. normal. Yeah, yeah. But it makes sense on, an, on a kind of existential level, like a big blue sky. And if you're at all kind of contemplative, that could be frightening for yeah. sure. Got, we've got a text that says, I used to empty the compost at night on our big block of land and coming back to the house at age 11, I would run faster than I have ever since because I was convinced monsters would get me. Mm. There is that thing, isn't it? If you've got your back and it's dark, and I used to do that coming up the stairs. I'm looking at Elise because I suspect it was her text, um, our producer here on Kindling Conversation. But yeah, coming down the stairs when, when I was growing up, if I came back up the stairs and there was no one mm. down there, I would be very fast. It's kind of a primal fear, yeah. those things, aren't they? Well, I'm glad that Max doesn't have any big issues to overcome. We haven't really helped any parents there, have we? No. Sorry about that. Well, we were just talking anyway. Um, it's interesting <laughs> to know the things that we all deal with. But then, Mark, you're not really saying you've overcome it, have you? No, you're not saying that. You just learn to live with it. Like mm-hmm. like a lot of things in life, you they rarely get solved. You just learn to live with it and it disappears into the back of your mind. And maybe that's something about um, not being able to answer the fears our children have sometimes it's just helping them manage it and make them feel safe where they are and it's we can't to solve give a everything mechanism right? than sometimes I think sometimes we get more worried about it than they do like I don't know like I think sometimes he just takes for granted that the the 
the three little pigs get eaten and I try and, you know, make it a story about three little pigs that survive. And that was the end of the little pig. Never questions it. No. Never questions it. Yeah. Well, we yeah. didn't either, did we? Well, well I don't think so. So I think maybe, but I think maybe as an adult, you think things are going to worry them that they're just they're oblivious yeah. to. Yeah. You're listening to the Parent Panel on Kindling Conversation. I'm Siobhan Hunt. My guests today are Mark Fennell, co-host of The Feed on SBS and host of Download This Show on ABC Radio National and Madeline Jenner, who's a producer at Radio National. And I like to say they're a real live married couple, folks. Which are we that rare? Really? You're not, but I'm celebrating <laughs> okay. the fact that you're here, you're married. Normally people aren't married, married. when they come on this show, oh, so we can't. They're not necessarily not married. Have they're you, not married to, to each other. Have yes. you ever considered marrying them live on there just to see what happens? I, I think that would be a fine idea. If anyone out there would like to get married live on Kindling Kids Radio, we're happy to do it. Uh, but really, this is very exciting because our um, next topic that we're going to talk about is does married life make you healthier? Go into the chapel and we're gonna get married. Go into the chapel and we're gonna get married. It was either that or Billy Idol White Wedding. <laughs> we've already played You made that. a poor choice. You should yeah. have gone for so if you take a trip down the aisle, chances are you're not only helping your heart, but your health as well. Well, that's according to researchers at the Aston Medical School in Birmingham who found that those who had type 2 diabetes, high blood pressure and high cholesterol would live longer than their single counterparts. Now, I read this in an article that was published in The Guardian that then um, kindly went on to completely confuse me with other statistics about showing single women live longer and have better lives. So what's true? We have the most qualified people in the world to answer this question right now in front of me. Madeline, does Mark make you a healthier person? (laughs) This is a really hard one. And I think that's why all those statistics are a little bit BS because they can't actually um, like I don't know what it's like to be not married mm. with two children and therefore mm. that makes it a bit complicated to have an opinion. I imagine being particularly being a single parent would be insane. You know, like mm. it's, I'm not comparing it in the slightest, but you know, Mark goes away for work work for five days and you just go, oh my god, I just want to have a shower without two children mm. in the room with me. You know, like I just want five minutes. Um, so it would be incredibly tough, but I don't know because I haven't done, done it. it. Mark, what about uh, the the article is saying that part of the reason mm. that might be the case is because you have a partner to nag you to do things like take your medication. Uh, Does Madeline offer those sorts of services to you in your um, nuptial agreement? There's no question that Madeline is, is the person that is in charge of our lives and she makes the whole thing run. <laughs> that, that is a, that yeah, is a yeah, given. Exactly. Um, in terms of healthier, I, I look... It's as Madeline said. It's it's impossible to make a big, broad generalisation because everyone's life and the structure of everyone's family is a little bit different. I would say that um, we were very healthy right up until the moment we had kids, <laughs> and then and then things, you know, the stress of not knowing what you're doing, the stress of you know two nocturnal kids, uh, and then you know the, the workload as well, the workload of being a parent, the workload of being a, an income, all that sort of sort of tables up on top of each other and I would say no like I, I mean but that's not a function of being married that's a function of having a very complicated life with a lot of moving parts I thought you were going to say that's a product of having children but it's all I mean the children are certainly the, the they're undeniably the biggest thing that have happened to us let's put that out there right and so that 
throws that that displaces a lot of other things that you would have done, including exercise and and the way you cook meals and the way you actually the way we cook meals is is slightly shifted a little bit, but not drastically. We still like food, we still cook food, but I think the the way you structure your life is is different. So and and I think stress is probably the biggest change, right? So there's a, there's a pretty significant amount of stress with having one kid, two kid, and particularly in Madeline's case where you, you've got them by yourself a lot of the time as well. I'm not sure that actually is good for you in the long run, but it's, it's you know... Oh, no, I'm also, sure there are studies that say having children makes you unhealthy. Yeah, I'm yeah. sure there Well, are. and also that, that study seemed to be talking about marriage and single as opposed to, you know... Just together, like what does together, that mean? Or what does that, I mean, you know, mm. there was no notice. We were already living together and yeah. nothing really changed when we got married. No, we, we got some good, you know, uh, yeah, white good applies. <laughs> for... No, but nothing like, you know, nothing, you know, and I think that's the case of a lot of couples these days that, you know, it's not the massive now we're going to live together. And, you know, we were married for years before we had children. So, you know, it wasn't necessarily like... A, a real change. And mm. so I thought that study was kind of weird because they just seemed so to ignore weird. that. Ignore and there that. was one line in it where it said something about um, if you're reading this and you're single and feeling depressed, don't worry yeah. because that also happens. Is it, you're less likely to be like that if you're married. And yeah. I was like, well, That's okay. That's not at all helpful <laughs> or productive. <laughs> no. I just, look, I, I just think there are things you do, your life reshapes around kids it didn't Madeline's are totally correct it didn't reshape drastically when we got married it but it does reshape drastically around kids I wouldn't change anything about it but you just sort of have to acknowledge that you now no longer have time to do perhaps some of the things that you used to before and you just sort of mm. much much like the, the fear of the color blue you just move forward <laughs> like this attitude well we have a comment from Facebook from Katina which is is quite funny actually she says probably not and I must note she has a smiley emoji here in a funny way though having a husband is like having an extra child most of the time and they are more overdramatic than the kids. When I have a headache, suddenly my hubby has a migraine. When I have a runny nose, he has man flu. When it's his turn to cook, he forgets to defrost the meat, so on and so on. However, when dating, I felt like Princess Kate and they say the women change. LOL. I'm like, oh, Katina, <laughs> you poor thing. <laughs> We've got to have a chat to your husband. <laughs> All right, well, let's move on in uh, Mark's philosophy here. <laughs> Up next, we're going to talk a little bit about boys and the toilet. You're listening to Kindly Conversation. Happy, happy birthday in a warm bath. Hosting a kid's birthday party this weekend? Kindling Kids Radio has you sorted for the best party tunes and dancing music to get the party started. Tune in every Saturday from 10am on your digital radio or stream mixes on demand at kindling.com.au. Happy birthday! Practical children's songs, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> this week I read a hilarious article by Caroline Tate. It was an image that went viral that she was commenting on. Basically, a mum was po- pointing signs, posting signs on her toilet to show her sons where to wee. Um, I thought it was funny because it feels really true. My son, I've uh, we sort of taught him how to wee sitting down, and then 
only when it became apparent when he needed to wee in public, mm. the mechanisms of standing up and weeing became something quite obvious that we needed to teach Does him. Does he have the height for the bowl? Oh, God, no. We have to yeah. get him to stand on a yeah, right. thing. But the point is there's the story. My husband was coming home on the bus and Arlo needed to go to the toilet and Daniel didn't think it was – he didn't know how to hold his equipment and Daniel didn't think that was a good thing to do in public even as his father wasn't a good look. So he held him up like Superman and aimed him at the toilet, <laughs> at the tree, right? So, I mean, toilet training is always a bit... And if you captured pictures of this, please send it to me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I have a feeling that I get in trouble for saying even that. I mean, it is a sensitive topic. Um, I'm just wonder, wondering whether we think as parents that that kind of signage would help. In a way, I think it might because they're going to try and avoid the signs pointing to the toilet and therefore my wee right in are the middle. They, or are they just going to wee on the signs? I'm not convinced that <laughs> <If> that's... Yeah. <laughs> Our child is like, oh, look, paper. I'm going to wee on that. It'll get wet. Oh, yeah, look, at the, yeah. look what no. I can do. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if the signs work. Have you tried the signs? No, I haven't yeah. because I... <laughs> I um I try to abdicate my responsibility ah, in this sense because I, I have been told before that I do not have the equipment and yes. therefore I'm not qualified to talk about anything Yeah, I tried to teach to Max area. to wee on a tree and it was just he just ended up like very too close to the tree and I, it, like <laughs> it was it was it was yeah, it was not good. Um It's but, always messy, let's face it. When kids have to wee in public it's yeah, messy well, in your was, own home. Mm. There was another friend who was similar, you know, Max decided he wanted to do a tree wee because he'd seen a friend do a tree mm-hmm. wee. But I was That's like, watch, watch this kid and just do that because I can't. And learn, yeah, I can't show you. Yeah, I was like, I can't help you. And really now you're just like on the tree and weeing all over your pants. And I was just like, that's not how it's done. And uh, I don't know how you, I don't, I don't know, know how you train. I mean, is it really that hard, Mark? I I mean, is, is weeing standing up hard? Uh, um, actually getting in the to- toilet bowl and not all over. No, it's not. <laughs> but I'm 31. I've had some practice. You're 32. No, no, but I'm thir- sorry, I'm, oh, I'm 32 and I've had some practice. How embarrassing. No, uh, but the thing was, the comments on this viral video was saying, a uh, photo was saying, it's not easy, ladies. Yeah. How can you comment? It, well, well, that's like all the people who do the ping pong ball thing. What? Yes, tell us about the ping pong ball. I've heard yeah. this. I, I've oh. heard this is a thing. So you put a ping pong ball they in your toilet for and you aim for the ping pong ball. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I guess maybe Look, they would like well, to. Well, doesn't that flush? Like, keep on being honest No, no you. then you keep a gross toilet. Like, it stays in your toilet forever. Like, you don't take you don't take it out. kind of genius, isn't Except it? Except you got a but gross disgusting oh, ping please. pong ball. In, in the grand scheme of gross things we have with children until the age of four or five. I mean, come on. That's true. That's true. Look. That's actually really clever, and and it, it have, is yeah, no, as somebody gross. that has the the eye hand coordination of a toddler, um, <laughs> I could appreciate that. Actually, we, we, look, let me just flag: we're not there with Max, by the way. We, we're just we're, oh, he's only we're just three. there, but um, yeah, I, it is actually it would be quite hard now that I think about it. And your coordination is still being developed, and it's probably one of those things where. I, I, yeah, I'm quite. What's the fig- age quite limit? What's the age limit? When, oh, when should we? Every ex- kid. Oh come on! Kid. Can't we say by thirteen they should be weeing yes. in the toilet? Oh, I think so. Uh, yeah. No, I think you can <laughs> Sorry, say I was like, I'm giving them up until six. I mean, no, <laughs> you're giving them four. I think. I no, don't know. I mean, Who knows? okay. So here's here's my question, Mark. Okay, this is what no woman understands. Oh, okay, is that every public toilet designated to, to men. Yeah. Stinks to high heaven of weed. Yeah, so there you go. That's, that's a, the suggestion that's because that, of urinals. Yeah, but that's a suggestion that older people can't aim, isn't it? 
No. Uh, no, it's because urinals of urinals. Are gross. Because right, urinals okay. are gross. All right, because that was my next question. I have seen are little baby. Gross? Yeah. Yeah, urinals are, they are gross. Yeah, the baby urinal, that confuses yeah. me. What is a baby urinal? Because apparently you can get one that a little... Little urinal oh, that no. links Ooh, up to your toilet. I have a hilarious anecdote that links back to the gender thing, right? Mm. A friend of ours who had a baby was in was very new young baby was in a baby shop, saw one of those urinals, didn't understand what it was, and then thought it was so ridiculous that this product was being like all boy centric, and was like my child. And I was like, no, 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 you you fundamentally misunderstand what that thing is they're selling because it was called like a boy wee, or it was called something stupid that was very boyy. And they went on this big gender rant, and I was like, no, 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 that <laughs> is get, actually I get your like gender neutral parenting, but that is more specifically boy than you think. Yes, yeah, it's it designed. Yeah. Yes. yes, exactly. So there you okay. go. Okay, well, I think we've exhausted the wee topic. Uh, just thank you for humouring me on that one. We should, um, you should do a whole show. Just call it Splashback. Uh, <laughs> you're good at giving us some names for things. Thank you, Mark. Look, um, before I let you go, we didn't do this last time, but I do love to talk to parents about lullabies, mm. uh, either ones that they had sung to them as a child or ones they might sing to their kids now. Mark, do you have a lullaby you sing to the kids? No, I like to tell stories, and I like to I like to do lots of quiet talking. Um, but Madeline about anything at all? Yeah, no. <laughs> but, but it's funny. My mum had one that I can I I can still remember, but I couldn't tell you what the words were. I know what the melody is, and no, I'm not going to sing it. I know that face. Damn. Um, but yeah, I, was it English or did she know it from? Like, no, it wasn't English. Ago? No, so mum's Indian. And like it's, Indian or yeah, Malaysian, it, or you don't know something from that part of the world. No, mum's from Singapore, but Indian. It's complicated. Anyway, um, yeah, it's something from that part of the world. Definitely wasn't English, and uh, and I and I know it, and I've heard her do it to our kids. And I just couldn't tell you what it is. But every time I hear it, I'm like, oh, I remember that. And I'm instantly <laughs> transported back to 1991 or something. You know, How does it make you feel to hear her sing that? Um, yeah, you, you're instantly transported back. It just, it just, it's a thing that's embedded because it, it was obviously a thing that she sang not just to me but to my younger brother. So which means I would have been hearing it right up until I was seven or eight. Um, so that's probably why it has sustained such a big, you know, the first... 10 years of my life, I guess. Mm. Mads, do it's, you sing to the it's kids? It's funny because um, my my mum is a preschool teacher and she, when Max was really little, occasionally sung, um, there's an Indigenous lullaby, um, in a nay gapawana something, something, something. Um, and she sung it to him a few times and it calmed him down and I sung it to him a few times and then I just would always, you know, use it as my default song when he just, and I think, weirdly, it not being English, it was just kind of like, you know, you could just sing it over and over and over again. And then, and so I did it a lot when he, he was a very screamy, refluxy baby that cried a lot and there was a lot of singing and a lot of rocking. Um, and I remember being in the car with him and um, um, Eddie, it must have been when Eddie Perfect was becoming play school and he was on um, local ABC radio doing a few songs and that was one of the ones he did. And he started playing it and Max just started screaming out of nowhere. <laughs> Max was about like 18 months or two and hadn't heard it in a really long time and I'm sure it was just coincidental, but I was just like, yeah. I've started doing song. a version of that, but just was like, completely made up sounds it's probably <laughs> deeply culturally insensitive but i've heard it so many times now because she's sung it so many times now that it's it's stuck in my head you know are you gonna sing it first no. months no. okay now that you've both, We're not dumb. We you've both, you've both said no um how do you feel when you hear that song now because we used to play a lot of gurumal when darcy was oh, okay. a baby i didn't try to sing it but um 
when I hear that now, I almost get a bit weepy because it was such oh, a stressful. intimate. No, no, no. <laughs> that was when she was. Oh, I didn't have as a reflux baby, but it was. That was the time that we spent together, and when she was really small. And as you know, your life just goes. Yeah. Upside down once you have a baby. And so when I hear that music, it's just like, oh. <laughs> and if you sung it a lot yourself, yeah. do you have well, a personal also, connection with it? And also um, just the music, you know, like we had one of those um, Melbourne Symphony, you know, music to dream by or whatever it's called. And I remember when we were at Tresillion on like the five-day, please fix my baby, you didn't fix my baby, but cool, um, <laughs> trip. It's, a miracle um, that, it's amazing that they call it that. I just... I just remember that playing constantly and just crying babies and that playing. And it, it took me, like, it, it really put me on edge. And this isn't a song thing, but I, I cooked something the other day that I used to cook always when Max was crying, like this minestrone. I just used to always cook it because I could do a massive batch. And I cooked it the other day. And, like, honestly, the taste of it, like, took me back to this, like, really stressful <laughs> wow. Max crying place. And I was like, whoa. I, I literally hadn't made it in, like, three years. And the, I was like, oh, the my so- God. The song, the, the NNA song, does give me another t- teeny tiny, like, membrane of anxiety because it was only everything you would sing when they were unsettled. Upset. Yeah. yeah. So you'd never, like, if they went down quietly, you're like, let's run away. <laughs> um, but if, if you'd only ever sing it when they were down. Yeah. So you don't, there's not a song you sing when they're calm? Like now, Max, oh, a bit older. Oh, when they're calm, you enjoy the silence. No, no, no. That that's just like that's not necessary. No, I don't really. No, no real lullaby. I mean, that you know, that's just you know songs. You know, general songs that we sing. Like I mean, I the, sing a lot know, of Bob the Builder verse. to Max, but that's not to calm him down. That's just because we love singing Bob the Builder. You're such a tease, telling us all these songs and then you won't sing them. <laughs> so my favorite thing with Max at the moment is because he's obsessed with the Bob the Builder soundtrack. Um, we've now just, and I don't. I'm sure you know this, but like. Bob the Builder released a several albums of like pop songs that have been rewritten with like construction theme. No, I'm into it. Max and I do it in the car. No, no, no. All seriously, it should be on your playlist. It's so it's bad. It's amazing. ridiculous. <laughs> it's like, and now we just do it. And there's like one song about nuts and bolts that we do all the time. Yeah. So Ma- when I'm with Max, we do it. And Sophie just looks at us going, "What's wrong?" But with it's you literally two? like I could walk 500 miles to get to a construction. Construction. Like, it's, really it's exactly bad. that. It's really bad. But I love it. It's great oh. because because he's into it, and it's lovely to see him sing to you. And, like, he's constantly singing Bob, Bob the Builder songs. <laughs> uh, and a little bit of bananas, so Detective Bananas, it's Banana Emergency, that sort of stuff. So that that's not serenading. That's just, like, the musical tapestry of our lives. He's probably oh. doing it, listening right now to it. It's beautiful. Guys, thank you so much for coming in today. Thanks for having us. Being very insightful. Uh, that was Mark Fennell, host of SBS The Feed, and download this show on ABC Radio. And Madeline Jenner, who's a producer for Radio National, the parent panel will be, will be back next Friday from midday. And that's all from us this week. I'll actually be back on Tuesday. We're going to play some highlights of Kindling Helpline on Monday. I'm Siobhan Hum. I hope you have a wonderful long weekend with your family. You've been listening to Kindling Conversation. If you enjoyed it, there's plenty more where that came from. Find other stories and interviews at our website. Just head to kindling.com.au. You've been listening to a Kindling Conversation podcast. We'd like to reach as many parents as possible, and you can help us by giving us a review wherever you downloaded this episode. It means that more people can find us. I'm Siobhan Hunt. See you next time.